Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and class in session. And I'm Pure Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I saw um, the other day that they actually now you can train your own AI voice. Really? Yes. How bizarre is that, right? I know. So you can train it so that if you screw up when you're saying something, you can overdub it. Oh. That scares me. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. Now you don't know if this is me or not. <laughs> What's going on? Today we have Alex in studio. How are you doing today, Alex? Hi, I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. Finally, we get to connect correctly. We've been kind of playing tag for a while. First of all, thank you for coming on. I'm super excited. I've been waiting to have this conversation. I know you have too. <laughs> and Alex is here. First of all, she is a firefighter in training, but has an incredible story of thriving and striving under a lot of different trials, tribulations, and issues from mental health to body dysmorphia to, you know, physical things. We're here today to, to learn from you and how you overcame those things. Do you want to kind of walk us through where you started and how you ended up, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get to where you became a, a firefighter in training. <laughs> where, yeah, where did sure. this journey start? I started out really, really young as like a gymnast. So my mom got me right into gy gymnastics right as I started to walk. And she was like, okay, well, you need a sport. So I go in into gymnastics. I love gymnastics. It was one thing that I thrived at. So I did gymnastics for about 10 years of my life from, I think I ended in like middle school. So like 14, but it was a really hard thing because we went to homeschool for gymnastics because everybody could see how much potential I had in gymnastics. So they wanted me to get really good, really fast. So that was one of the big factors of leading into the rest of my life was that I was homeschooled for gymnastics. I didn't really have much of a social connection other than gymnastics. That makes sense. It was central to your entire life. It was who you were up to that moment um, when you left. Is this a normal situation for athletes or, you know, gymnasts when they get to a certain level or they're being put through the trials to get to that level? Yes, a lot of, I went to two gy different gymnastic studios and both had homeschool programs. There is a lot of gyms that do have homeschool programs, homeschool is what is leads you into um, being a professional gymnast. Like uh, one of my gyms, I got there at 6 a.m. and I left at 6 p.m. And in the middle for like 12 to 3, we did school. Yuck. That sounds like, no offense, it sounds like a communist like training camp. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how well that goes over in this day and age, but if I were to think of how it would be to train in, for the Olympics in a communist country, it would seem like it would be that. Yeah. <laughs> That's... That's a lot of stress. And what you're telling me is, is that when we're sitting there watching these elite gymnasts that are on TV at these world games, the Olympics and things like that, that they're actually, a lot of them have led their life in isolation and only under gymnastics as their way of life. Yeah, it's, it's a way of life. Gymnastics is definitely a way of life. And I learned that from a young age. I don't know is the healthiest 
thing because I've had so many injuries. I've broken my foot, my hand, like four of my toes. Yikes. I've had all different sorts of things. And what's funny about a lot of my injuries is my foot, I did a back tuck on a beam and I landed on the side of my foot and fell off. What, what's a back tuck? A back tuck is just a backflip. Like it's just a backflip on a balance beam. And- yeah. And I've been doing this for seven years now, like a back tuck on a beam. I've been doing this for like seven years. And it was just one mess up that led to me rupturing my Liz Frank, which is the part that holds all your foot together. Your, did you say your Liz Frank? Yeah. Is that like a That's gymnastics term or is that a medical term? That's a medical term. No shit. I've, you know, and I've had like a lot of ankle surgeries and jacked up my feet pretty good in the army. So I, but I've never heard a Liz Frank. Injury. I swear, I swear that's what it was called. Or maybe I was just a stupid. No, uh, no, I, 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 I honestly don't know. I, I love when things like that get applied in situations like you're like femur, uh, Achilles tendon, Liz Frank. You're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I at that time, my mom kept yelling at me because I kept calling it the Anne Frank. <laughs> I was like, you can't say that. <laughs> what is the cl- how does that apply in this situation? Is what I would is it did it like hide or is it like <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I'm just thinking. So so the injuries, those are hard because if you are in this situation where you're being held to a certain standard, a physical standard, especially with your peers around you, I would liken this probably to being like amongst your uh, your fellow soldiers or on a sports team or something like that, there's a certain level that you have to uphold amongst them in order to appease probably your social status. I mean, if you're not in school, it becomes less about, you know, what you're wearing and more about how many times you can flip end over end and not bust your ass. Yeah, definitely. How do you go from that being your social currency to landing in middle school in a completely different reality? So what happened was uh, after I broke my foot, it was the day before regionals and I realized, okay, I can't do this anymore. This cannot happen anymore. I'm hurting myself too much. It's not like a good thing for me anymore. Like I need to move on with my life, which was a really hard step, but I got through it and I went to a charter middle school. So we had to wear uniforms and stuff. And I was like, ugh, ugh, I have to wear uh, uniforms. Yeah, you went from, you, wait a minute, you went from communist gymnast camp <laughs> to a uniform school. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Holy was, conformity. I got there and I had no idea what any social cues were. Luckily though, it was honestly a blessing when I was walking into school, I bumped into a girl next to me and she was in the same class as me in the same grade. And she was like my one friend that I had throughout my whole middle school, like because I was only there for seventh grade and eighth grade, but we were in the same class for all of that. Oh, that's cool. It's okay. It's okay. You're, you have a guest coming in? Oh no, she just brought me the charger so it doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, technology. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. So you found your first friend on day one, which that's got to be one of the luckiest strikes that you could get out of a situation like this. Oh yeah, totally. It was are, like, are you still friends today? Yeah, we still follow each other on like Instagram and stuff. Like we don't talk as much, but we're still yeah, of course. friends. Yeah, we're still like really good friends. Like she just like went off to college and stuff. So I was like, yeah, That's but I still cool. have my um, first grade friend too. Cause I went to school from first grade to like fourth grade and she was there with me the whole time. And I'm still like good friends with her. Like I still talk to her and like hang oh, out with her. That's super cool. 
That's super cool. So at least you had that to leverage on integration into that environment. So it was kind of like, kind of (laughs) like Helen Keller with social cues, getting somebody to walk her around. You know, it's, you you don't have the, and I can relate to that actually, not in the same, same way, but I grew up very, in a very isolated area, very remote with only a small group of people around us. I mean, I went to school, but the lives were two completely different lives that I didn't understand how anybody else lived on the outside of the school. Like it was very hard for me to understand or assimilate because I didn't have anything. We didn't do the things that they did. We didn't understand it, you know, and you start to create almost like a persona. And I think from what we, uh, what we had discussed and things that you had sent over before uh, coming on the show is that you ran into a situation with people judging you in a different manner once you arrived in a school. Yes, it was. It wasn't based on what I could do, but how I acted and who I was as a person and how I looked. I mean, in gymnastics, they cared how you looked, but they wanted you to look like a brick. They wanted you to look strong. School, they wanted the girls were not very nice or kind to people who weren't like there was a couple who would just be like oh you're so strong but like why like you're really wide and I'm like oh yeah I know I used to take that as a compliment and I take it to a compliment now you got a a strong I take it as a compliment yeah I take it as a compliment now but for a little bit there I was like oh I don't really like that per se but it happens like they are just they're middle school girls too like the social currency is different. Yes. The way that you hold your rank is different. It's by having some kind of image difference or something that you can hold against them in the rank and file. It's super bizarre how we even construct the whole damn thing because it gives us all of these insecurities in the form of shields that we start raising up from fucking childhood that manifested into some crazy shit. Like, we have no idea where the first knot is in that rope once we get to a certain age. We don't realize that it was that time that somebody said, you're a little wide. Yeah, it's... in your fucking head. It really does, honestly, because I think that's when I first heard it was in middle school when I took it as, like, a bad thing. Mm. What happened was one of my really good friends, I still know her today, she just went to college. She's going for tumbling and acro because she was a gymnast with me, and I'm really proud of her for doing that because she was not in a good space in gymnastics either. She also was, like, hurt a lot. It wasn't a good thing, but she came to the same school as me for our eighth grade year, so... Luckily, she had me to bridge her to the school. And so you got to pay it back. Yeah. We also went to high school together. We had every single class together every single year. I'm not kidding. We had like dance and everything. We had every single class together. Oh, that's super cool. Full four years of high school. You guys are going to be like the Golden Girls later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward about 60 years and the two of you are going to be, thank you for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've known each other for like a super long time, but luckily I could pay that back. And what I realized when I was just helping her, I acted exactly like her. And we were just, we were very straight to the point of things. Like That's it what was, you do in sports. It was a very blunt thing. Like you told them what was happening, what was wrong. And nobody took really kindly to that mm. at all. But luckily we had each other throughout middle school. So we got out of middle school and that's when we started dance. We started, well, I started at Diamond Dance, which is one of my, which is a studio I stayed at for a long time. I 
graduated and that's when I left because I couldn't do competition dance anymore. Basically, what happened was my sister was going there. So I was like, okay, I'll join her. And it honestly, like the teaching, I love a lot of the teachers there. Mm -hmm. But some of the students, that's when it really... It, when you're standing in a mirror next to someone who is like 40 pounds lighter than you and the same height. Won the genetic lottery. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not the best. Or when your sister has ADHD and a high working and fast metabolism and has abs by the age of seven and she's dancing with you. It, it, that's when the my like my real like monster formed, which was the body dysmorphia. That's what when it happened, like right as you're going into like ninth grade, that mm. that era. So sorry. Yeah. Luckily, I've been getting better about it now. I like I've graduated. I'm getting better. It's all getting better. You're standing there and you're now taking on you've you've learned what the social credits are now. You've learned what people are looking for, expecting you to be and what they've already judged you for. So you're going into a new type of sport or a new type of activity that not only focuses on your athleticism, but there is a lot of focus more than in gymnastics, I would say, on how you look during the presentation versus the strength. So, of course, why wouldn't a young woman looking in the mirror start to apply the social currency or credits that somebody else had already installed in them into themselves so you start judging yourself in the mirror without them even applying it to you you're now doing it for them yeah it was really strange because I think in that year was the year I wanted to be in the jazz dance but one of the coaches said oh this costume is a two-piece you can't be in this dance I was like okay Oh, my God. I was never in that dance for my whole career there. Never in that dance. <laughs> That's, how do you not take that as a core memory? How do you not yeah, put that there, of, especially when it repeats? Because I was like, oh, I was like really like shocked when I was like, but I'm in dances with these girls all the other times. Mm. I'm like, I can leap and stuff. Like, can't I do jazz? But that's when it first hit me. You realized that that was that coach's mental issue, right? That that coach somewhere in the back of their mind had been judged for obesity or weight or has a problem with it or in or just being judged in general so that they cast that onto you and gave you that extra core wound to hold on to just so they didn't get embarrassed in front of a bunch of people and hit their own core wound. And at the same time, none of this existed. These are all thoughts. These are all thoughts, but we're subject to them. We're subject to them. And I hope that you understand that now looking back, that it was not the child. Wasn't you. Yeah, I honestly, um, she was like, well, you just don't match the other girls in, a, in the costume or anything. Isn't that called being human? That's a really big thing in dance. If you don't match, the other girls are all dancing. Well, I understand we're all dancing, but if you don't, if you don't have the same like looks as them, they don't really put, they like have auditions and stuff and all dance studios do this. I'm going to be honest that if you don't have the same look as them just for the dance, then you have to do a different dance. Like This is systemic, right? This is over time. This is oh, something yeah. that's being addressed now, I think, too, isn't it? Yeah. 
honestly, I thought back then I was like, oh, well, I don't really want to wear a two piece. Like I, I made it clear that I didn't like how I looked back then. And maybe that put some thought behind it because I don't want to say that that coach is all bad, but I just, I didn't like costumes in general. I hated fitting day, hated it. That's such a amazing insight. And I firmly believe that, say you went into a job interview, right? If you don't believe yourself that you actually should have the job or that you're good enough or any of those things, you won't get hired. Because not because you weren't qualified, but because the person standing in front of you feels the same feeling you do about yourself. There's always some applicability in these situations where we give off our own self-doubt, our own uncomfortability. Could have been a woman that didn't know how to handle the fact that you were uncomfortable in a two-piece as a child and said, maybe we just don't put her in this so she doesn't feel sad or judged next to them. Who knows? When you're a child, you have no idea what the motivators are. I'd like to think that that's maybe a misguided attempt at doing something nice versus get out of here, you don't belong in a two-piece. Well, what happened was I actually have a hypothyroid. So my thyroid does not work whatsoever, which means my metabolism doesn't work. My whole endocrine system is all messed up. I'm getting tested for lupus this month because we, we don't know what's wrong with me. I also have ovarian failure. So my ovaries don't work, can't have children, nothing. I didn't even get hormones until I think 10th grade. I'm not sure, but I had to start taking patches so that I could get hormones like estrogen. and. That's so why you're I was fighting so the whole blocky. puberty, but you're also going, all these other people are going through a different set of changes, experiences, and they're bragging about them or they're living them, whatever it is, you know, that weird currency again. And you're, you're on the outside looking in with a different perspective and they don't even know it. Yeah. We didn't know that I was, I would, they, we just thought, oh, it was Jim. I have this, this figure and that's why I look like this because oh, of Jim. Gotcha. So we just thought it was Jim until we actually got the diagnosis of, oh yeah, her ovaries don't work. She gets no hormones. So I had to go through puberty in 10th grade in one year. Holy, how do you, did you like murder and eat everything and like have like crazy freak outs? And I can only imagine all in one year having to go through that entire experience. It was, it was kind of rough, honestly. And it, it really, it spiraled, it spiraled, honestly, the, the body dysmorphia spiraled because that, because we had to get the estrogen dosing, right? So there's too much or too little. It, it was, it was like teeter-tottering. Wow. And if so I did it. basically fighting menopause at the age of. Yep. Wow. Wow. That's, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. That's a, that's a tough thing to go through. I interviewed somebody not not long ago that'll come out um, probably right before yours, but a young lady that had endometriosis and it had caused her just so many issues yeah. and pain for so long that she ended up having to basically sign waivers to have her to have a hysterectomy at like 20 years old. I'm getting the age probably wrong, but somewhere around there. And um, yeah, she was describing similar things, you know, having to go through all these different medications and having the hormone issues on top of the pain or whatever that accompanies that. I can only imagine it's a similar scenario 
when a young woman is faced with what society has told her, what is expected as a young woman at, you know, a certain time in life, and that's to be able to have children or something along that lines. And to have that stripped from you so young has got to be terrifying. It's got to feel ostracized. You got to feel just compounded into that situation. But just remember that that's society that said that, that the self-worth is not dependent upon that. Yeah, luckily, I've always been like a tomboy kid or so. So I was like, when I got that, I was like, oh, cool. No period. I, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Well, I've had I've had a lot of medical diagnosis like since I was like a small child. Like one time I hurt my knee in gymnastics and we went to go get an x-ray and we found out that my kneecaps are actually split in half and I have a joint in between them. Wait, you like like a you got like weird crab legs with open <laughs> kneecaps or some shit. That sounds yeah, like no, I've been like we just every time I get an x-ray, we find something different. It's just it just happens. Are you trying to tell us that you're actually a different species? Or is this going to be the first interview where <laughs> someone comes out and you start walking with your legs backwards? Like, I, like, a, like a bird in the water? <laughs> yeah. And then I think also, yeah, 10th grade was the year that we found out I had a broken elbow for three years. I got a broken elbow in gymnastics and they misdiagnosed me with tendonitis. So it was still hurting after three years and I was doing dance. So my mom was like, okay, let's go get to a different doctor. And then they x-rayed it. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's a chunk of your elbow out. We got to do a surgery and remove it. So right here, I don't have a piece of my elbow anymore. They took it out. Dude, I hope it wasn't your funny bone. <laughs> Sorry, I have no idea. It's like the biggest dad joke ever, or whatever. (laughs) But it just seems like, could you imagine if you just got sad immediately? No, luckily I still have my other arm. Luckily, I have two arms. Only half is funny. A side question: uh, Maybe, maybe these uh, medical issues affect pain threshold? Because man, you really put yourself through some shit, not knowing that you had. But I've seen and done these things myself. I've not known or thought that pain was me working through something because you heard things like pain is weakness leaving the body, you know, and, yes. and mottos like that. <laughs> yes. and you're like, yeah, and you keep going until one of your wheels blow out and you're dragging a leg and you're like, uh, this for what? <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I get that. I get that. Um, but I can't obviously understand what it's like to be in your situation as a young woman, you know, or a teen going uh-huh. through all these Good things. <laughs> Say hello. Hi. (laughs) That's too cute. She's trying to get the cat out of the room. (laughs) Well, you should have invited the cat up. (laughs) Yeah, um, that's uh, my friend's mom. She's uh, deaf. Oh, okay. So I'm actually in college and I'm doing ASL right now, so. Oh, that's super cool. You know, we just started, actually, you know what? After this, I want to consult with you because we just started doing transcriptions for, you know, the hearing impaired. We want to make sure that we have that out there. And I know there's so many different ways that we can communicate with people that are hearing impaired and in ways that are easier for them to obtain it. Or I'm guessing that this is getting better. You know, I mean, we have the internet for God's sakes. It's everything. But, you know, to a certain degree, you have to be uh, accepting. That's super cool. So you're learning sign language right now. Yeah. I'm in college. Um, Well, because ASL is such like a widely known thing in, in U.S. and Canada. So for firefighting, if there's anybody that uh, we pull out of a building and is deaf and knows where somebody else is in the building, somebody's going to need to know ASL. And 
I'm going to be that person. So that's super cool. Yeah. Plus my, my best friend's mom is deaf. So I'm like, okay, well she could help me. She, she you knows. Got a, you got a tutor. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And I'm sure her daughters speak sign language as well. Yes. Yes. Very well. It's ASL is American sign language. Yes. Correct. Yes. I always want, you know, you just made me think. I was like, could that be a way to universally speak without having the same situations if you were to universalize what certain things were with hand gestures? I don't know. A little outside the box there. Yeah, because um, we were just learning about this. Every like country, like Britain's, uh, London, that UK area, their sign language is completely different from American. It's like if... English speech speakers try to talk to Japanese speakers. No it's shit. that different. It's that different. That that's that's not good. <laughs> you can take advantage of a really good situation here. I just like the idea of them signing with a British accent. Yeah, they use <laughs> instead of the one hand like normal, they use two hands. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Oh, so they gotta make it fancy. They add like yeah. when they do peacock, they add feathers, right? <laughs> Some exactly. Like that. I exactly. love that. It sounds pretentious. Sorry my British listeners, but I want to give you a monocle today. <laughs> so that's super cool. So you've lived so many different lives. It's such a, in such a rapid amount of time, you know, and, and now you're, you're stepping outside of your box because it seems like you've been in front of people being judged for your capabilities and looks, you know, in a different manner. Uh, your social currencies are different. Everything's different. And then now firefighter. How does one bridge that divide? So what happened was I was in high school. I was a dance major. Like, I don't know why I was a dance major, but I was a dance major just because I did dance. So I just was a dance major. Like, I wasn't ever going to do anything in dance. Like, if anything, I'll do circus, which is a whole new topic. One of my favorite things in the world. But oh, wow. what happened was I was like, okay, I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going to be a doctor. Both of my parents are in the medical field. So I'm like, okay. I, I really do love that. So I think I'll do that. And I even got into UNLV College of Honors for wow. biology. And I, I got like a scholarship and everything. And then I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm I'm excited. But I re I just kept like, oh, well, is this really what I want to do? Is this really mm. what I, what I want to do? Do I want to take this many math classes? Because I had to take extra math classes. If I even wanted to be in the biology major, if I was considered in the biology major, I'd have to take an extra year of math classes. And I was like, hell no. That? Like I already dropped out in that sentence. <laughs> like, exactly. No, I was like, do no. I really want to do that? So I was like, well, there's other ways of being medical. And I used to joke with my mom, oh yeah, I'll be a firefighter. Because we had one of the dance moms, is, she's actually a firefighter. I still know her. I love her. She's the one who got me into this. She was a firefighter. I was like, well, I could just do that. that that'll be my plan B. And the funniest thing is I took yoga with my, my friend, Liesl, the one I'm at house with. She, cause she loves yoga. And I just, I don't know why, but I had a sense of clarity. I was like, yep, I'm going to be a firefighter. This is it. So you were practicing yoga and you had that moment where you just, it hit you. That's not yeah. by accident. <laughs> Those types of things are not by accident because you're practicing mindfulness and meditation when you're doing yoga. And that clarity of mind gives you 
opportunities like that, you know, moments of epiphany, if you will, or a knowing. Yeah, it was, it was very after the class, I was like, okay, Liesl, I'm dropping out. I'm going to be a firefighter. And she's like, what? I was like, I'm going to do it. And I told my family and luckily my family, at first they're like, okay, think this through, just like take a couple weeks or something, think this through, make sure you're sure. But my family is really supportive of, of this, especially my dad, because my dad's best friend is actually one of the captains on the fire department. Oh, so that's cool. It's like, okay, go talk to him oh, you're and make screwed. sure you want to do it. And I think... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I foreshadowed something in my own head. Keep going. <laughs> Honestly, though, it was... We just, like, instantly... He was talking about firefighting. I was like, yep, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is it. Like, this is my career path. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what I foreshadowed there is if you know somebody that's in leadership and you show up as a trainee, you get the shit just... Not haze, they, I guess they don't do that nowadays, but they probably, there's probably a million ways they could put your ass on TikTok looking like a dodo because they know you. When you're known, it's never good. Well, that's the thing with firefighting is that I know I'm not allowed to change my last name. It is Pacheco for the rest of my life. Doesn't matter if I get married, nothing, because that's how they know me. And that's how it's going to stay. Makes sense. And that's how I want it because, you know, if all of like, I'm an explorers now, which I love, I love it. I have it every Sunday for at 5 a.m. to 12, which is like, oh, time. So that's much awesome. fun. <laughs> but that they know me as Pacheco, and that's how I'll stay in, in the fire department is as Pacheco. That conversation went really well. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a firefighter. And I told my family, and they're like, yeah, go for it. Whatever. It's like, she, my mom was like, it's your life, not mine. Good for your parents. Good for you for taking that leap of faith based on your own internal compass. When your internal compass points you a direction, it's likely not lying. It's all of the things that we throw up immediately as reasons why we shouldn't do it that are actually the enemy. We say that, you know, oh, this is trying to be wise or trying to be safe or hedging a bet or all these different things. But in reality, we're only putting up mental barriers when actually you're supposed to do that. <laughs> if that's what you feel compelled to do, and I'm sorry, if I was going to have somebody on my team, wide is a great attribute to have <laughs> firefighting, somebody that can hold shit and do things. And now you're on top of that, you were a gymnast. So you're probably like, up the ladder in seconds and bending around, you know, all these different things. It seems like it all fit. Yeah, it was, it was really like everybody was like, when I said that to everybody, just anybody like friends, family, they were like, yeah, I can see it. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. I got that like a lot of times. They're like, yep, that, that fits. And I think from there, which I think is really funny, but ever since then, I see a lot of fire trucks now. I just point them out and they're kind of with me. My friends are kind of like punch buggies they're like oh, the new punch yeah, buggies yeah. and fire I, trucks because I, I get so excited when i see one they're like oh alex is ranting about a fire truck again i'd be remiss not to point this out you're smiling from ear to ear right now you're super happy about it what are the odds that people immediately supported you because you immediately believed in yourself in that moment and they could see you because you believed in you in that moment. Because firefighting's not easy for people to swallow because of the danger involved in it. And a lot of people will hesitate in saying somebody should do something just because they don't want to lose them. I think my I think my mom kind of had that a little bit. That's why she was like, think it through. But my dad was full force. He was like, totally do it, do it, do it. Love it. And yeah, because I feel like 
my my dad thinks like he's like well it's your life you can do what you want and I think he sees how happy I'm doing it compared to like how I did gymnastics and dance and how I if I can make this my career path I will like it he saw I think how much it was how much it meant to me in general like when I get stressed now I tie knots like I'm I'm like a nerd like I I have like a, a rope and I, I just tie firefighting knots when I get stressed. I understand completely <laughs> You're fidgeting, you're practicing, you're, you are engrossed in every single thing about it. It's something that you're excited to get up in the morning to do versus having to go to. There's a big difference when you have that kind of passion for something. That's when, you know, podcasting and music, music really became something different for me. And it became something that I had to get the headphones on. I had to start moving things around and changing things. It wasn't anything but almost like for my mental health that it felt like therapy to be able to do something with such a passion for it. Whether you're good at it or not is is completely irrelevant because once you love something, you don't care what anybody else thinks about you in that moment. So kudos to you for figuring <laughs> it out at such an early age. But why firefighter? You still, there's a gap in there. Um, honestly, I, so what happened was I got into a really bad car crash. The mm. light was green for me. I was going straight. This other kid, I guess he was on his phone. He went like 50 and he sighed. I had this little tiny red Fiat, like the little tiny one. Ooh. And he, luckily he had like a small car too, but he rammed into the side of me and I spun 180 and then he hit a bus. Oh my God. That was last year. And my sister was in the back of the car when this oh, happened. Oh, dear God. So it was me and my sister. And this was like my first year of driving. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was horrible. I was like, luckily, me and Athena didn't get any injuries. Like, I have a scar on my arm from it, just from a, a burn. So we get out of the car. And the first ones to show up on the scene are firefighters. And I could not, I could not calm my sister down whatsoever, like at all. It was hard. Like I was trying to call my mom, trying to get my glasses, trying to calm her down. And the firefighter went over to Athena and calmed her down right away. And she was fine. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be that person. I want to do the same thing that they just did for my sister. I want to be exactly like that. You want to take someone's pain away. I just want to be there to help. Like, cause yeah. that helped me, me tremendously. Not like even like it helped my sister, but it helped me because I could, I didn't have to actually actively think about her right now. I could just call my parents or worry about the, the other things that were happening because my car was like on fire and whatnot but luckily it was a little flame it wasn't bad but it was still like scary because i was like oh i've never been into a car crash why before. wouldn't it be scary it's, exactly. it's terrifying hey academics have you endured life's tragedies trials and tribulations did you adapt and overcome do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com and tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now back to class. I investigated traffic accidents for a long time. And I understand that when you show up at a scene like that, it is, it can be terrifying for everybody. It's kind of like, um, they don't call it, it's called an accident. They don't call it an on purpose. Nobody is ready for it. Everybody is shocked by it. And it really puts you into a tailspin and it does require nerves of, you know, a different set of nerves or a different understanding for, you know, your surroundings and, and forced mindfulness when you're a firefighter, a police officer or a first responder of some sort. 
that you have to be able to center yourself. You have to be able to see what's going on around you in a different manner. And you also have to be able to rely on the people to your left and right in those situations. You end up sacrificing yourself. I'm glad that they did ask you to take a few moments and think about it in advance because I'm sure you, you've you reconciled this with yourself. I don't even need to ask. You're willing to, you know, pay the ultimate price if yeah. you need to help somebody yeah. else. That's that's so honorable, so honorable. And I appreciate you for that. To protect and serve or to fight fires or anything of that nature is something that um, that I admire. So thank you for, for putting that risk out there. No, I completely understand because I'm becoming a firefighter, but my friend whose house I'm at, she's uh, moving out to college for Seattle University. She's going to be an army nurse. So oh, wow. I understand the concern. So she wants to be out there be like really tending to soldiers. And I'm like, oh, that's a little scary. And she's like, you're literally becoming a firefighter. Yeah, that, that's no <laughs> but... different. If somebody brings you a bullet wound or somebody brings you a piece of PVC pipe through the throat, I promise you the people will look the fucking same. They'll yeah. be screaming, they'll be freaking out. It's no different. It's honestly that I'm not worried about like that. Like, I know we both can handle that. We we are like, I'm worried for her. I'm like, what if you get hurt though? And she's like, are you serious right now? Are, are you, do you, are you okay? Do you understand where you're, where you're rescuing people from, right? Like fire, it's so bad. We've been afraid of it since like when we were dragging our knuckles on the ground. This is how long fire has been an issue for us. We started the first one. It was stomping on it immediately when we stuck our finger in it. I'm surprised we cooked for, you know, at any point in time. Probably took a while before they pulled that off. <laughs> I have no desire to throw myself into a burning building. That sounds like the most awful way to go. If I were to rank things, that, drowning, and other things like that. So all of you take a huge risk at it. And please understand that it's no different than doing it. I know. Else. I was just like, and then I realized, I put it into perspective. I was like, oh, well, I was like worried about her, but I'm not worried about myself. Well, I think I'm not worried about myself because I'm like, I have no doubt in my mind. There you go. I have no doubt in my mind, like about what I'll do. Cause I, I've seen it all. Like I just watched so many videos on it. And I just, it's really like a passion now, honestly. You're going to find a family, you know, in, in a house like that. When you're becoming a firefighter, you're going to have all these people that are going to they're going to give you what you don't get from a video. They're going to give you what you don't get from a book. They're going to get. They're going to give you what you don't get from tying knots in your room. That's <laughs> tying knots when you're hanging off the side of something, trying to do something. They're going to hand you experience, wisdom, and those are the things that they. In fact, I bet when they listen back to this, or when you when they get to listen to this, that one little part where you're like, I've watched all the videos, I'm ready for it. They're going <laughs> to give you shit. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to be like, no, no, you're not ready. No, no. They're going to give you shit, but they're also going to admire your tenacity and your courage and wanting, just wanting to do it. It's yeah. always great to see someone pursue something that they truly love. It's a different conversation when you ask somebody what their job is when they actually love what they do. You'll see the change in the face. You'll see the change, in, and most people will say, if you love what you're doing, it's not a job. It's actually true, right? How could it not be? 
if you love what you're doing, then why would it be anything but just sheer happiness? You know, even if you love getting dirty or love getting bruised or falling on your head or whatever the hell else it is, you can love that too. You can love falling eight times because you know, maybe the ninth time it's going to work. I think you learn that in gymnastics for God's sake. Yeah. Especially in circus too. That That's, that's a big one in circus. Cause we didn't even talk about this. You're in the, you were in the circus. <laughs> I am also in the circus. I currently am working as a coach right now. So, and I'm doing circus and I'm like auditioning and stuff. So I have like four lives. (laughs) So what do you do in the circus? Like, uh, what is your specialty if you're not coaching? My specialty is tramp wall, which is trampoline. And there's this big wall. I think our wall is 16 feet tall, which you just stand on the side of the wall and fall off and fall on your back. Oh, I've seen these. Oh my God. You do that? And do flips on it and everything. Yep, that's my favorite thing to do. I love it. I got to tell you, it looks terrifying if you make a mistake. It looks cool as hell when they're doing it. It is because I, one time I was doing with, which you do side to side. So you're on the same tramp. You just have to land at different times. Otherwise you popcorn somebody or jack their legs out of them. We landed at the same time (gasps) and I bit a hole through my lip. Like right here, right there. Oh my, that's not good. Holy crap. Yeah, I didn't think about that because I used to, anytime I was on a trampoline, I used to love jacking somebody's legs out from under them when they were trying to get a good rhythm. You know, you just hit it just right and they're like, they they do that (laughs) vibrate and they get angry with you. (laughs) Which I also figured out, you're a gymnast. This is Mm -hmm. a a gymnast flipping question. Is it easier to do a backflip than a front flip? Because I can only backflip or could only backflip. My mind, every time I tried to do a front flip, I needed to like launch off like Superman forward at an angle and it never worked. Like I was going to break my neck. It was not anything pretty. It really depends. I'm what they call a back tumbler, which means I do everything I do is better when I do it backwards. But my friend from middle school who's going into tumbling is a front tumbler. She does everything better the front like front handsprings front tucks so it really just depends on the person honestly i gotta be honest i've always preferred if i were rolling jumping tumbling of some sort always preferred backwards i'm not coordinated forwards i don't know why (laughs) now that i think about that i don't know how disturbing that is like, like, I'm really good if you just turn me around. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't like front stuff. I don't know if it's because I can see. I honestly don't know. But like, probably my friend, she loves front tumbling because she can see. Could be left-handed, right-handed scenario. Who yeah. knows? Like, okay, so if you're listening to the show and you know why some people like to flip backwards versus forwards, please let us know. <laughs> I really do want to know. I want to know. I want to know this. Exactly. (laughs) We'll get, somebody will send in an email. Somebody will put something on social media and they'll say that. So let me, let's, let's kind of circle back because I want to um, discuss just so people can understand and they can learn from your experiences, right? And I think we can both agree that big one in the center was the body dysmorphia. That's the most terrifying thing. People don't realize that Having a situation where you feel as if first you've been judged by others, you know that that's already happened, and then you start to create every possible way that you cannot feel looked at or judged for whatever it is that you felt judged for in the past. You can only imagine why. How many different types of shirts did you wear? How many different styles did you try on? How many different things did you do? How many ways did you stand? How many ways did you turn yourself when you were talking to somebody or if they had a camera? How many times did you change everything that you did in your entire life 
because you've had that dysmorphia about your own body? It's honestly, I think because I just graduated and everything, I'm I feeling a little bit better about it. But I guess my mom, because my sister's homeschooled for uh, other reasons, because she has ADHD, can't sit in a classroom. It's not good, but homeschool works really well for her. But her and my mom were doing school and they're like learning about different types of dysmorphia and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And one of them is that you go to the gym too often or that you work out too much. And my mom's talking about this and I go, okay, bye. Me and Lisa are going to the gym. See you later. And we went, um, we went every day that week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I was like, oh, and we were like, no, we don't have that. What are you talking about? So it really, luckily I don't have it as bad, but there's still times I'm like, oh, I don't want to look in the mirror. Oh, I need to look in the mirror. Mm. So it's still, it's still like a remnant there. But ever since I started circus and firefighting, I realized that, okay, people look like me. I'm not so different because like in circus, there's a lot of body types, sizes, everything, because you need a different size for everything. Like I'm a perfect base. Like I lift my sister in the air. If, I believe it. If like one of the dancers did that, they don't have enough strength. They don't have enough wide build to do it. So I've realized that I was made like this for a reason. There you go. You accepted yourself. That's yes. that's one of the biggest parts of all of this. When you came to terms with yourself, as accepted yourself as beautiful as you are, the way that you're made, the way that you came out, the way you're intended, that's the person that you have to love in order to make these steps. Yeah, I really, I really got, I think after I started all of this and I graduated, that Congratulations. I think graduating really, really uh, helped that one because then I didn't have to go to dance anymore. Yeah, uh, not standing in a line of mirrors with body dysmorphia sounds like a great uh, scenario to get out of. Plus, our circus studio is outside, so there is no mirrors. It's just outside. I do everything outside. Because of COVID, we couldn't go in, like, we couldn't be inside because if you're on top of, like, a silks or something and you cough, it goes all the way down. So we had to be outside. And we're still outside. It's it's quite nice. And, like, when it's night or, like, six or, like, when it's, like, evening, it's, like, amazing. It sounds cool watching an act like that outside under the stars. I'm in Vegas, so from the top of the flying trapeze, you can see the whole entire strip. Wow, that's super cool. So you're really enjoying yourself out there. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. So you're you're twofold handling life. One side, you're giving back in a manner where you feel fulfilled that you're helping others. And then on the other side, you get to utilize your creativity that you developed over years and they actually overlap. So you're getting to entertain people. You're getting mm-hmm. to fuel the art side of you. And then the other side, you're getting to utilize those skills while swinging around on a ladder like a monkey and, you know, whatever you guys firefighters do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I whatever actually... you guys do, you like, you stomp out campfires or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, everybody. I love firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a gig, like a, uh, I booked a, we have a gig at Caesar's Palace tonight. No we're kidding. Doing, Congratulations. Yeah, we're, I'm doing like partner acro. It's not with my sister because she has like choreography, but there's other little tiny children that I list there. But I have a gig uh, the, tonight, actually. Oh, that's so. super cool. Congratulations. You have to get video of it. 
got to give it to us. So when this okay. show is released, we can put some of that in a trailer so people can see your uh, your performing. That's super yeah, cool. Sure. I love I, that. Yeah, I just started like this year is my first year as a coach because I did like the summer camp and the owners were like, oh, wow, she's she knows what she's doing. She's really good. So they promoted me to coach, which is super nice. Because now I have a, like a job that I'm paying for college for. That's even better. So you're <laughs> just checking off blocks all at once. Yeah, I'm paying. I'm paying for my own college, but luckily I'm going to um, a community college for fire technology. That's applicable. But I still have to pay for my. Yeah, I still have to. It is. Um, if I do fire technology, then I if I get my associate's or bachelor's degree, then I can move up the ranks and become fire chief. It's kind of like military. Once yep. you can get commissioned. Yep. Exactly. I like um, that. But I'm paying with for college with this money that I make uh, teaching and I just started working like admin and front desk so that they, they go, well, you need experience. Cause then if you have like admin experience, they, that you can put that on your resume. Is it amazing how life turns a corner and things start to fall into place that are outside of your purview or capabilities to influence how they fall into place. Once we accept who we are. Once we start loving ourselves and once we start moving in that direction, those hurdles, those blockages are not created because life is supposed to be difficult. They're created because you're not supposed to be going down that path, right? Yeah. You can have stress and strenuous activities to overcome even what your passion is. It's different. But if it doesn't feel as if it's something that you shouldn't be doing, or if it's something that you get up and you dread, then it's not going to work out for you. You're just going to have diarrhea for the rest of your life. Yeah, you it's, work. <laughs> it's honestly, I realized, yeah, I realized that I just need to live my life the way I want to live it. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. Hard, honestly. Isn't it? And it's really hard realizing that like it was tough just being like, okay, you are your own person. You look like this. This is how you're going to be for the rest of your life because because of your medical problems. This is it. This is end game right here. So I just have to accept it. Like, I don't see a problem personally. Yeah. Like if you had never told me, I'd have never known, nor would I have ever cared. Even if you did, except for however it impacted you and however it felt, because I gotta be honest. Isn't it hysterical how we walk through life with this intense feeling of judgment from every eye around us, but it's all of us doing it. So if all of us are doing it at once, who's looking at the others? We're not. We're not. Unless it's that moment where we can bolster our situation. Other than that, we're not looking. Go home tomorrow after work and tell me what everybody else is wearing versus what you were. You'll know what you wore. You're going to remember anybody except for Hank with the sweaty tee that he always wears. That's just normal. The rest of it, I can remember what somebody else wore, and they aren't going to remember what you wore either. <laughs> That's, exactly. That was a realization that I had. I was like, fuck, man. I can't remember what anybody wore yesterday. I wonder if they can remember what I did. Probably not. Honestly, I think I think I've just accepted that I'm going to look like this, and it's honestly really freeing. Like, last night, like, at 12, because we went, me and Liesl wanted to do one last crazy thing before she left. So we went to the gym, our 24-hour gym. And we went swimming Ooh. in their pool. <laughs> you went to the yeah, gym. I'm like, we're going to live it up. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm over body dysmorphia. <laughs> well, we went to the gym, but we just went swimming at 1 a.m. Oh, and okay. Like, I see now. We just went swimming because 
why not? I love it. And we we just didn't care what anybody thought. We were just like, okay, we're going in. Or like, we we do that a lot. Or like, we just, I just wear whatever I want now. I don't really care anymore. It's it's really come full circle. I mean, I do have some bad days where I'm like, okay, I can't wear this today or I can't wear this. You get There's stuck some in that really loop. bad days. Yeah. People don't understand that loop that you get when you have body dysmorphia and you're trying to hide those flaws or accentuate things that you think people like versus what they don't. You can actually stand in a closet for fucking hours to the point of almost tears because everything that you've grabbed, each one highlights a different area. People don't realize that that person standing in front of you that day with body dysmorphia or whatever you're pointing out is at home having that anxiety and panic attack because they don't know what they can even put on. It's a super hard world to live in. It's a cage. And I'm glad that you're pointing out that the road to freedom is not making other people accepting because that that's not how this works. It's accepting yourself because yeah. the more that you accept yourself, the less that they're even going to be able to push that on you. It's not going to be a leveraging tool anymore. The more that you we understand who we are, where we come from, we love ourselves, it doesn't matter. Like, dude, you're pointing out the obvious. Like, I had big ears when I was a kid. I'm like, duh. You know, now <laughs> I look back and like we, me and my friends, we bust on each other. We point out the actual flaws because they're funny. Like, I get it. You know, we laugh at each other for them because that's what makes us unique. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because my friend, she has a very Roman nose. Like she has one of the really big Roman nose. Nice. But I have, I, you can't really see it. I have two different size eyes. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I was born like, um, I was supposed to be born in like September, October. I was born in August. I was born like a month or two early. Same. I was born super early. I was like a preemie, but... Yeah, my eyes are two different sizes, and we just joke or, or joke around about it. We're like, oh, I need two different size contacts now. Like, oh, God, if you were <laughs> in my family, oh, for God's sakes, everything that you owned, your glasses would have one large googly eye on it and one small googly eye. Like, <laughs> shit like that. Everything would be like that because, not because I would want you to feel bad about it. I would want you to laugh about it, accept it, know it, embrace it, yeah. see it. That's why I love comedians that are self-deprecating to a certain degree. Not when you can see that they're actually really hurting and it's just a facade, but once you've accepted yourself at that level, that's badass. It's freeing. Like yesterday, this is a really good story. Yesterday, we went to go get haircuts and... I told the lady, oh, yeah, I want curtain bangs. I have curly hair, though. So, like, can you angle it a little bit more, make them longer? And then I was like, can you make my hair really short so I can put it in a ponytail for firefighting so I don't have to do a bun? She's like, sure. My ponytail's fine. It looks fine. But the front of my head, she cut out a chunk right here and right here. So <laughs> she, she gave you stairs for bangs? <laughs> and last night, I was like, okay, I can't have this on my head. So we decided to cut my bangs. And now I have bangs. And we're just like, oh, well, this is it. Yeah, but, but it's just yeah, her. It's, it's just her. Yeah, like, exactly. I realized, like, last night I was freaking out about it. But then I was like, now I'm just like, it's just hair. I can't it do anything really about is. it. Like, like, it doesn't change the person I am. And it's not permanent, for God's sakes. <laughs> it's it's not like it's not going to grow back. It's going <laughs> to come back. But I can tell you, for the longest time, that's all I cared about was making sure that I didn't have my hair cut out of line. You know, because one thing that my image was maintained around, you know, and stuff like that was it was getting a sharp haircut. 
you know, because when you grow up without money and things like that, you you have different sets of or levels of things that you feel will give you, you know, a bump. It's shoes. It's a haircut. It's things like that. It's not a car and fucking all those things. You can't get them yet. So you 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 start to pick those statuses young, and that's one of the things yeah. that I grabbed. I was like, gotta get a haircut. Poor think, people have don't have haircuts. Yeah. I um, always my status was uh, I'm the one who can do the backflips. Or I was always the tomboy, or they're like I I hate it, but I was always the really mean one. Like huh. nobody would mess <laughs> with me. Everyone's like, I, that's awesome. What a defense I was mechanism. Always that person. There's one really good story. There was this kid. He grabbed my friend, my gymnastics friend's purse in middle school. Like it was a Kate Spade purse. Like he grabbed it and like I was almost choking her out. So I run up to oh, him. Wow. I football tackle him. I'm like, get off of her. And I football tackle him. And we go right to the principal's office and we're like, yeah, this happened. And he saw the camera and he's like, oh, um, all right. <laughs> well, we didn't get in trouble, but he did. But it's, and then that's been like for the rest of that time, they're like, oh, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything. Well, at least you had that defending you. Once you do a full tackle on a dude in <laughs> school, you're less likely to get messed with for the simple fact that you might pull off one of those tackles on them. <laughs> I've always been like that. And one story that I think is really funny, which um, a lot of people would say, oh, like, I think that's not like funny, but I think it's really funny. So when we were in, we were doing field day or whatever, and you got these shirts and I was like, oh yeah, can I have an extra large please? First of all, because of my body dysmorphia. Second of all, because nothing fits my shoulders because they're so uh, big. <laughs> <laughs> so that nothing. was your, that was your issue. It was you, you didn't want people to see that your shoulders extended beyond the seams. Oh, well, it's because I couldn't put my, my shoulders into a medium shirt. They would, wouldn't would fit, like, so you at had to all. go all the way to extra large just to get your shoulders in, but not everything else needed it. Yeah. Normally, I'd be a large, but I got an extra large just in case. And he was like, what? Are you walking around like this? I'm like, yes, that's exactly. And he was like, he was like oh, yeah, you're like a macho man. He's like, you're the manliest man here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> See, you embraced it. You embraced it because who gives a shit? There's no such thing as a manliest man. That's so stupid. It's the humaniest human or whatever you want to say. <laughs> That's all it is. All of these constructs that we have where we judge each other by their masculinity or femininity or whatever it is, those are still things that are being applied from society. I just think it's so funny because so whenever I do anything, we, we always are like, oh, yeah, the manly man. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, one time my, my best friend's boyfriend's long distance, he came down here and he's like this big, Six two uh, wrestler, football player. Nice, he's like big. Oh, and he's going to be a civilian nurse. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's <laughs> break stereotypes. Don't do what everybody expects you to do. Do what you want to do. Yeah, he's going to be a civilian nurse. But we were just messing around, and he calls me. He he was like, "Oh yeah, him." And I, and he pointed at me, and I was <gasps> like, "Oh, I'm I'm a him now." <laughs> and Whoops. Ever <laughs> and ever. Since then, we've always like, we've always talked like that. Like, I'm a dude. I'm like, oh, hey, bro. <laughs> See, that's what you're supposed to do. We've always had that type of, you know, like, and then he always acts really Christy and everything. And we oh, just so he flips reversed. the script? That's too funny. 
we always do that because we we realized that a lot of, because back when I was a little bit younger, I was like, oh, fine with being called a tomboy. But sometimes it was like, I'm still a girl though. Like I'm, yeah. and I understand if you, if you don't want to, but I was like, oh, well, I'm still a girl. And I, if you call me, if you call me him or like in firefighting, they call me sir. And they're like, wait, 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 ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get sir a lot just because of how male dominated firefighting is. Like I I've heard all of the other all of the other women that I uh, that train with me have also gotten called sir. You just have to take you know, the grain of salt on that one. The fact that they're saying whoops, oh, oh sorry, means that they're not doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's like saying one word over and over and over again, and then adding in like a different one, and then going back to it. You're gonna jack it yeah. up. It's just how life works. But we have to allow people to be able to screw up like that and <laughs> yeah. not feel well, we, or be we attacked all think it's for funny. it. It's funny. Yeah, we're all like, sir. And then they're like, oh, oh. It's like repeating the same phrase over and over. But I admire you for being at this juncture in life and and overcoming so many things. You should be proud of yourself. Um, Thank you. You should continue to be authentic, continue to pursue the things that give you the fulfillment. Don't pursue things because that's what society told you you're supposed to do. You don't have to wear a certain thing. You don't have to walk a certain way. You don't have to talk a certain talk. Those are all fake. If you have to try to be something, you're not being something. You're being someone else. And that's just not, that's not how life is supposed to work. You have to be you and embrace those things. And that can be, you can be a fucking actuary, a marketing manager, or a goddamn janitor. It doesn't matter. If you like just cleaning shit up, whatever. It doesn't matter if that's what you want to do. Find whatever talent it is and input it wherever it fits and move on with your bad self. So I think everybody can learn from you. They should take a page from your book um, <laughs> on self-acceptance. And again, I thank you for having the candor and empowering others because that's what we don't discuss. When we come on and we're vulnerable and we take that, that extra step, there are other Alexes out there that will hear you say these things and they will go, you know what? I don't have to be what they told me to be. I am not what they said I am. I am who I am. So I'm sure that they will all appreciate that. And thank you. Honestly, on one last note, though, I feel like once I started accepting myself and being who I was meant to be, I started getting a lot better news in my life. All of my friends just gravitated towards me. They're like, I've just had a better time being myself. I've realized who not to hang out with. It gives you a clarity. It really does. It gives you who is your real true friends and family. And, and it, it life sets itself out. You need those people in your life where you can, you know, do the, the inappropriate things around that everybody does and not be judged. We haven't gotten to the level where all of those things are okay amongst everybody, but you should have that group of friends where you can you can be 100% yourself at any given time and not feel ashamed or judged or anything like that. And the key to doing that is two things. It's one, don't judge yourself. And it's two, don't judge others. Because if somebody doesn't feel judged, they're more inclined to be themselves around you. Honestly, with friends and stuff, for a while, and especially in gymnastics, I was always the youngest or I wasn't. I didn't have many friends and just being yourself really gravitates more people to you because right. you're more confident, you're more honest. With a lot of the people out there, they don't have friends like the one I'm at. She didn't have friends till she got here and 
we she was just honest with herself and I was like yeah it, it just happens they just gravitate towards you it I'm just super happens. happy. Look at you <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. And you know what? It's a non-confrontational loss of the people that shouldn't be in your life. Because once you start being yourself, they're not going to come to you. They're going to fall by the wayside. They might, for a moment or two, they'll be angry at you for being yourself. They will say all these things. They will judge you for being independent and being yourself. And all you have to do is understand one thing and one thing only. They're judging their inability to act on their own authenticity. And the reason why they're mad at you is because they're they're too afraid and they're jealous. And that's the only reason. They, they can't do it themselves. So they're going to try to hold you back because you are a constant reminder of what they're not doing themselves. Simple as that. Simple yes. as that. So keep being a reminder to everybody on how to be. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate Thank you coming you. on. All right. Remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. Hey, academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at tragedy underscore academy where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class. And remember, be cool, keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey. You'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their Graphic Tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care, they have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment 
with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. End of the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to the tragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember academics, be cool and keep learning.